So again, so the first five of the um, of the principles of the Ikrim of Amuna are, are directly related to Amuna and Hashem, and various aspects of that Amuna. And then we talked about the Amuna in Nevi'im, in Prophets, and in Moshe Rabbeinu. And then we talked about the um, the Torah in Hashemayim, the Torah is from heaven, and the Torah will never change. Those are the nine that we already dealt with. And that brings us into number 10, which is the Amuna that Hashem knows everything that goes on in this world. A very, very important part of our Amuna. I'll read the words from the Rambam. The Rambam says, Hayusoid Ho'asiri, the 10th foundation, Kihu Yisala Yodeya Ma'aseyem Shel Bnei Odom. He knows all of the actions and all the behaviors of men. The Enoi Ma'ilim Enoi Mehem. He doesn't... Um, he, he doesn't uh, he doesn't look away. He's constantly involved and knows whatever is going on to this world. Not like those who say Azav Hashem Asa'aretz that Hashem sort of created the world, but then you know went off on vacation and is not involved with what's going on. But rather that Hashem is always directly involved and knowledgeable of what's going on. And the Rambam brings two of the very famous stories in the beginning of the Torah that show on that one is that Hashem saw the evils of mankind, um, which led to bringing the Mabel in the time of Noach, and two, that Hashem saw the evils of Sedoim, and uh, brought about the destruction of Sedoim. Those are the two verses that the Rambam brings. So that is, in short, this, ten- this tenth of the principles, the concept of Yidiyas Hashem, that Hashem has a uh, ongoing knowledge of everything that goes on in this world. Um, we say in Pirkei Avais, to always remember that which is above us, an eye that sees, ears that hear, everything that we do is written, and that is all from this principle of faith, that we, we believe that Hashem actively knows and is involved in everything that goes on. Um, before I get into it, I'll tell you a beautiful little story and lesson that I heard a number of times, from Hindi's grandfather, who passed away just a week before Pesach, um, Rabbi Avram Aaron Rabashkin, all of Ashon, just passed away, and we were very close to him. And one of the stories he told me numerous times, and in fact he told me that I should tell it to people and so on, and it's likely I've shared it here in the past as well. And he said when he was a little boy, and he was still in Russia, communist Russia, and going to Cheder with his brother. And he says he remembers they were kids, they were 8 or 9 or 10 years old, and they were on the way to school, and they were surrounded by a bunch of bigger uh, kids, communists, Jewish or not Jewish. And he said, the other kids, they weren't hurting them. They were just taunting them. They were laughing for them. And they said the following. They said, uh, you believe that there's a God in heaven that, that uh, he writes down everything that, that happens. That he knows everything that happens, right? So the kids say, yes. So they say, how is it possible? He said, They say, where does he find all the ink to write down so much information? We're talking about millions and millions of pieces of information every day. And even if we're to have the ink, where does he have the parchment to write it? And these are, they're obviously giving over you know, the communist doctrines. And he says, and even if he had the parchment to write it, where would he store it? Where would he store all that information? And even if he would have a place to store it, how could he find the information? You want to pull out a piece of information out of billions of pieces of information, how in the world can you ever find it? And they were surrounded by these big kids, and they were just the, these big kids were just laughing from them. And he says, me and my brother, 
We didn't have answers to these questions. We didn't know how Hashem writes it and where he writes it and where he stores it and where's the ink and where's the storage houses for it and how he finds the information. But we believed it because that's, that's our amuna, that's our belief. So he always finished, he says, I wish I would see those people today and show them one simple cell phone that has within it, that's able to store millions of pieces of information and it doesn't take any space and in a second you have exactly what you need. So those computers that we have today, we didn't have 80 years ago, but the concept existed. It's not a new creation. So that's the, the amuna that we have, that Hashem has that yidiyah, which again today that belief is so much easier to understand and so much easier to relate to and so much easier to prove that there exists such mediums in this world. But that's been our amuna for thousands of years, as the Rambam writes, that this is this tenth principle of faith, that Hashem is Yodeya, He knows everything that's going on in the world. That is this principle. Now, connected with this principle is, of course, Hashgacha Pratis, that Hashem knows everything going on, and Hashem is involved in everything that happens. And we'll see soon how that ties in, especially the Ashkacha Pratis, the way the Basham teaches it. But here we have a very beautiful Ashkacha Pratis in and of itself, and that is that for those who follow along the daily shear of Tanya in Chitas, today's Chitas is about this subject. Today's section in Tanya, which is in chapter Membez in 42, the Atarebbe deals with the Yediyah of Hashem, the way that Hashem knows everything that happens in this world. And he says something very beautiful, very amazing. Of course, Hashem knows everything. Yet, the way Hashem knows everything is very different than the way that we know things. We also know things. We know a lot of things. In our mind, we know a lot of things. And there's a very basic and integral difference between the way we know things and the way Hashem knows things. What's the difference? So, it's interesting. We say in Davini, we say it every morning, Golui v'yadua lefanecha. Hakol Golui Viyadua Lefanecha, everything is revealed and known to you. But if you look closely at the words, we don't say Ata Yodeya Hakol. We don't say you know everything. We say Yadua, it's known to you. What's the difference between saying you know something or that it's known to you? Seems like a small difference. Hashem knows or is it known to you? To Hashem. So the word in Hebrew used is Yadua. It's known to Hashem. What's the difference? Why do we say it's known to Hashem versus Hashem knows it? And the reason is, the way it's explained in Hasidus and Tanya is the following. When we know things, there is an, we actively know it. Why do I know that? Because I saw it. Because I heard it. Because I understood it. There's a certain action that allows me to bring into my mind pieces of information. So, based on the amount of things that I learned and the amount of things that I've seen and the amount of things that I've heard, I know more and more things. Hashem doesn't know about what's going on by looking. By looking down on the world and zooming in and seeing that, oh, they're doing good and they're doing bad. Hashem doesn't actively get involved to find something out. Rather, it's all automatically known to him. Why is it automatically known to him? So the Alter Rebbe Tanya brings a mushal. He says an example. When chas v'shalom, when a part of our body is hurting, when, when one's toe is hurting, how do I know that my toe is hurting? Because it's part of me. I don't have to see that my toe is hurting. I don't have to hear about it. 
it's part of me, and therefore automatically my mind feels all the uh, all the feelings that there is in my toe or in any other part of my body. Every part of this world gets its existence from Hashem. And that's another idea that Tanya talks about so much, how Hashem is constantly creating the world and constantly energizing the world. And everything that happens is merely an expression of the divine energy that Hashem gives to make it happen. So if something happens, why does it happen? Because Hashem's divinity, Hashem's energy made it happen. So why does Hashem know that it happened? Because it came from Him. So Hashem doesn't know, again, like we know, like I see that someone did something, so therefore I know it. Our knowing is an effect from what happened. Hashem knows because He's the cause of anything that happens. And that's why Hashem knows everything that there is. Says the Alter Rebbe, says Hasidus, that's why we don't say Hashem Yodeya, He knows actively. Rather we say Hashem it's Yodua. It's known to him passively, automatically, because anything that happens in any part of this world and universe is merely an expression of Hashem. And really, the Rambam himself says this. The Rambam says that Meamitas Himatsai, from knowing himself, he knows everything that there is in the world. He doesn't know the world from the world, he knows the world from himself. He knows the world because he is behind everything that happens in this world. And yet, just to add one, one last idea here, Dr. Rebbe says in today's section of Tanya, he says, but it's different than the way we know when something in our body is hurting. Because when we know something in our body is hurting, it's because our soul and our body are one. They become one. Our soul is affected by our body. Our soul is hurt by our body. Hashem remains, on the one hand, totally removed and totally higher. And yet, he is the source of anything that happens and therefore knows about it automatically. So that's how Tanya and Hasidus in general um, talks about the idea of Hashem, this principle of faith, of Hashem's knowledge, that it's Hashem knows everything because he's the source of everything and what allows it to be in the first place. Okay. Which brings us to the next big step, which is Hashkacha Pratis. That not only does Hashem know everything in a passive way, but whatever happens is because Hashem wants that to happen right now and in that place. Because everything comes from Hashem. It's interesting, the way Ashkach Pratis is usually translated when you read about it or hear someone speak, usually they say divine providence. I think that's the typical way. Excuse me. The typical way Hashkacha Pratis is translated is divine providence. I think it was uh, Reb Moshe Feller, should be well, the Shleich in Minnesota, and he writes that one time he wrote an article and he wrote about divine providence and gave it in to the Rebbe and he got back with an edit of the Rebbe. The Rebbe says that divine providence is not really the correct translation of Hashkacha Pratis. What does the word Pratis mean? The word Pratis in Hebrew means individual. There's a klal, which is general, and prat is the individual. So the Rebbe Ashkocha Pratis means divine individual providence, divine personal providence, versus that, you know, Hashem sees everything going on and Hashem is running a big scheme of things, a big world. Hashkocha Pratis means that every detail 
in what happens in this world is part of Hashem's general plan. Now, famously, the Baal Shem Tov made this a very center, I would say, a, a central teaching of his. Uh, there were certain things when the Baal Shem Tov came to the world and, and started teaching Chassidus and teaching Torah, there were certain things that the, that the Baal Shem Tov really um, emphasized tremendously. Um, the Baal Shem Tov emphasized Simcha, the Baal Shem Tov en, uh, um, emphasized sincerity, simplicity. But one of the central teachings that the Baal Shem Tov talked about a great deal was Hashkacha Pratis. That every single thing that happens in this world um, is divinely orchestrated. And again, not just divinely orchestrated, but part of the general plan of creation. And there were many, even in the Torah communities, even in the very knowledgeable Torah communities, that questioned that. There isn't a clear pasuk, so to speak, in the Torah that says that everything that happens, Hashem orchestrates. It's not a clear. It's not so clear what, exactly what the source for that is. Um, the Bashamta saw it as an obvious. The Bashamta talked about Enoid Movada, how everything comes from Hashem, everything's directly from Hashem. Nothing happens on its own, even for a moment. So Hashkach Pratis was an was an obvious outcome of the general concept of Enoid Movada, that nothing really is aside from Hashem. But he was challenged. And the Baal Shem Tov himself, you know, in his time dealt with certain challenges, but as um, Hasidus became bigger throughout the world, so there was um, different challenges, uh, different people who challenged Hasidic teachings. And the Alter Rebbe, the first Rebbe of Lubavitch, was one of the primary defenders of the, of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, right? Um, we know that the Baal Shem Tov passed away, his successor was the Magid of Mizrich. But the Magid of Mizrich didn't travel. He stayed in Mizrich and he had great disciples. But then when the Magid passed away, so the disciples became Rebbes in different places, in different areas. And the, and the Alter Rebbe was given White Russia and Lithuania. And that was the uh, seat of the um, of really the, the scholarship of Klal Yisrael, the Vilna Goyen and his disciples. And the Alter Rebbe was left with the task of defending many of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. So in one of the great, and the Alter Rebbe held, held great debates in these centers of learning to defend and explain the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. So in one such debate, he was asked about Ashkoch Pratis. And he was asked, like, what's the source from the Gemara? You know, don't give me mysticism, don't give me what it says in the Zayar, the Arizal. They, he was asked, can you show us from the Gemara that there is individual divine providence for everything that happens, and not just for a yid, and not just for a goy, but for an animal, and for a tree, that everything in this world, every detail of what goes on, is part of Ashkoch Pratis. And the Alter Rebbe thought for a moment, and he says, yes, it's a clear Gemara. And of course, the Alter Rebbe was the ultimate genius in, in, in Torah, and every area of Torah. And he says, it's a clear Gemara. And they were stunned, because these people were also tremendous Torah scholars. And they said, a Gemara, where is there such a Gemara? The Alter Rebbe says it's a Gemara on the Tractate of Chulin, which is one of the lengthy tractates of the Talmud of Shas. And again, they said, where? Where is that? And the Alter Rebbe said the following. He says that the Gemara says that one of the um, one of the sages of the Talmud was Rabbi Yochanan. And he said, when Rabbi Yochanan would see a Sholach. Now, a Sholach is a type of a bird. Um, I'm not sure how Sholach is translated in English. It's a type of a bird that like swoops down from heaven and pokes its, uh, its beak into the water and pulls out a fish. 
and and swoops back up. Um, perhaps someone here knows what such a bird would be called, but in in the Torah it's called the shalach, and it's mentioned in Parshas Shemini, which was this. Pelican. I'm sorry. A pelican. A pelican. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 So the, the today we started or yesterday we started Parshas Tazriya Metzora, but this past Shabbos was Shemini. And in Parshas Shemini, we have all of the kosher and non-kosher animals and birds and fish. So one of the birds that the Torah talks about is the shalach. Rashi says, what's the shalach? Again, in this past week's Parsha, Zeh ha-shole dogim min hayam. It's the bird that it uh, fishes fish right out of the water. Says the Alter Rebbe that in the Gemara in Tractate Chulin, it says, um, it says that Rabbi Yechanan, when he would see a shalach, Yechon was walking or whatever he was, and he would see a shalach fly over, he would say, ah, this is what it means in Tehillim when it says, Mishpatecha Tehom Rabba, that your judgments is even in the depths of the sea. Serbiochanan, why? Because that bird swoops down from heaven, and there's millions of fish in the sea, and he picks out one fish and flies away with it. Who determined that that one fish today was going to be there to feed that shalach? Says Rabbi Yochanan, that's, that's Hashem. And that's what the Pasuk means, that your judgment, Hashem, is even in the depths of the sea that Hashem created this bird. That when it comes time for that fish to die or that fish to move on to its next step in its mission in the world, he, uh, Hashem has that bird swoop in and take that shish, uh, fish and that's the end of that fish. Says the Alter Rebbe, it's, that's, it's an open Gemara. Rabbi Yechanan said that here we have a fish somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and his time is up, and the bird swoops in and gets it. That's what David HaMelech meant when he said in Tehillim, Mishpatecha Tohim Rabba, your Mishpatim, your, your judgment, is even reaches to the depths of the sea. You have your agents to fish the fish out from the middle of the ocean right in the exact time when it has to be taken out. So the Al-Tarebbe said, the Al-Tarebbe used that. That became a, a proof that the Al-Tarebbe um, was able to respond to the challenge to the Baal Shem Tov's teaching that Ashkocha Pratis is for every detail of creation and every place of creation. Interesting, interestingly, the Rebbe once added, he says something very beautiful. He says, so the proof for Ashgacha Pratis was from the fish that goes into the sea and pulls out the, I'm sorry, was from the bird that swoops into the sea and pulls out the fish. So the Rebbe, that the sea represents that which is concealed, right? Everything beneath the sea, you don't see anything. And that bird comes and he goes in, sticks his mouth into the water and pulls out that fish. So he's revealing that which is concealed. That bird helped the Alter Rebbe reveal the concealed Hashgacha Pratis that there is in the world. That people think things are just sort of running on their own and they're happening the way they happen. But no, says that bird that Hashem created, that that bird has a mission to go and be there to get that fish at the right time, that also helped reveal this concept of Ashkocha Pratis, that Hashem's knowledge of everything in this world is not a passive knowledge, that He just knows, but that He's involved in everything that happens in every moment and in everything, whether it's human or an animal or a tree or anything, it all happens through Hashem's um, Hashgacha through Hashem's um, individual individual um, providence. Okay. Which this idea that Hashem's knowledge, as we're saying, what we're saying, we're saying Hashem's knowledge comes from the fact that everything comes from Him, number one. 
And not only that it comes from him, but that every detail of everything comes from him. And as al Rebbe showed us, even that fish in the middle of the ocean also comes directly from Hashem. This became, as I said, a cornerstone of the teachings of the Bashem and therefore the teachings of Chassidus, and explains a lot of the basic teachings that all of us know. All of them come from this point. For example, the Rebbe said, would say many times, that if one hears about something, or one sees something, that must have some message for that person. Very interesting concept. The Rebbe said this many times. He says, he would say it in Yiddish, that that everything that a person sees or hears has some message for me. What's the proof? Why, just because I saw it? I mean, I saw it because it happened. It happened, so, and I saw it because I have eyes. The Rebbe says, the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov is that powerful that although it might have had to happen, but it didn't have to be that I should see it. The fact that I saw it, that is also part of the Ashkacha Pratis. In other words, like this, I want to explain something. We live, we, we typically think we have to do something. Whatever it is, we have a certain mission. So when we do, we do it, and then there's a number of unintended consequences that happen because I have to do something. So, for example, if I have to pull out a big uh, table from a closet, so I pull out the table from the closet. Now, meanwhile, what happens is that a couple things fell off the table onto the floor. That wasn't my point. That wasn't my uh, my uh, my plan over here. It's an unintended consequence. I needed a table, so certain things fell off. The Bashem Tov's Hashkoch teaches us teaches us that in Hashem's world, there's no unintended consequences. It's not like something has to happen, so then, okay, other things sort of just fell on the side. Every detail of every consequence is also Ashkoch So therefore, something happens. Why did that happen? Because it had to happen. Okay, so it had to happen. But now I happen to see it. It says Baal Tov, no. Even though that had to happen, that still doesn't mean that you had to see it. The fact that you saw it is an additional consequence. That's that's an additional Ashkoch So there's Ashkoch that something had to happen. That's part one. And then the fact that I saw it, that's part two. That has its own message. If it wouldn't have been important to me, then it would have happened. But I wouldn't have seen it. So if I saw it, that means that there's something in it for me as well. The Bashanto says, when one sees um, faults in another. One sees faults in another. I, just, I noticed them. So I see fault in another. So... Why did I see the fault in another? Well, because that person has faults and I have eyes. Says Baal Shem Tov, no. The, that person might have faults, but why did I see it? That's also Ashkoch HaPratis. So why did I see it? Says the Baal Shem Tov, for one of, two, one of two reasons. One reason is because there's a mission here for me. How can I help that person? So when I see a fault in another person, there's Ashkoch HaPratis here. If I saw it, that means, what can I do for that person? That's one mission. The other way the, Alter, the Baal Shanto says, he says, or, or, and, or, perhaps I saw the fault in that person to teach me something about looking into my own faults. Perhaps that fault, as the Baal Shanto famously said, is like a mirror. That by seeing that, that teaches me there's something I have to do for myself. Two Two ideas. So in other words, the Baal Shem Tov totally rejected the idea that I saw the fault because I have eyes. 
That doesn't fly by the Baal Shem Tov. You don't see things just because you have eyes. Yeah, you could have you could have blinked also. You didn't have to see it. If I saw it, there's got to be a message. There's got to be a meaning, a reason. And that's A, to help that person. B, to cross-examine myself if those faults are within me. So all of this comes from this basic central teaching of the Baal Shem Tov based on this principle in, in, in uh, Yiddishkeit that we're learning tonight, which is that whatever happens is orchestrated by Hashem and every detail of what happens is also orchestrated by Hashem. It's not just good for the general picture, it's good for every detail. Even the details that sometimes don't make any sense to us whatsoever. The Friedrich Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Hitzchak, the sixth Rebbe of Lubavitch, um, famously was in jail in the Russian prisons in 1927. And in a very, very terrible imprisonment, so much so that he would he was sentenced to death. He was actually sentenced to death, and miraculously that was overturned. But he was in prison for a period of time, in which time he suffered terribly. And later he said something very interesting. He said that after he had already come out, had come out, and he was uh, redeemed, and he was bringing with the chesidim, so he said that. This past year on Rosh Hashanah, in other words, Rosh Hashanah of 1927, well, actually, Rosh Hashanah of 1926, Tafrish Pezai, 1926, he said, I was saying the Maimur Hasidus, whatever the subject was, and while I was saying the Maimur, I mentioned Hashgacha Pratis and how the Bashemtov teaches that everything that happens is with Hashgacha Pratis. And the Friedrich Rebbe says, at the time when I said it, it didn't really fit into the mimer I was saying. And I myself didn't understand why I said it. That's what he says. He says, he says if you read that mimer, that discourse, Hashkoch HaPratis wasn't really part of what was being discussed. And nevertheless, at some point, I just mentioned that the Baal Shem Tov says that everything is Hashkoch HaPratis. And I didn't know myself what pushed me to say that. Then, he says, later that year I was imprisoned. And it was a terrible imprisonment. And it was only when I remembered, sitting in prison, what I had said on Rosh Hashanah about Ashkoch Pratis that gave me the koach to carry on with full strength until I was redeemed. Because the Baal Shem Tov's teaching of Ashkoch Pratis is that even the imprisonment is part of the plan. It's easier easy and or easier to see Ashgacha Pratis afterward. Like how everything worked out. All of us, when we look at our own lives, um, and we look honestly, we can find many Ashgacha Pratis stories. And how A led to B and B led to C and wow, look what happened. But it's always easier to feel that Ashgacha Pratis after we see the good ending of the story. When it's all good, when it worked out, oh wow, now I know why I missed that plane. You know, now I know why I ended up there. Now I know why this happened. Now it may oh such a beautiful Ashkakaprata story. But when we're in the airport and we're frustrated because we missed the flight, it's a lot harder to feel, well, this is Ashkaka Pratis. Right now I feel like, oh <laughs> I have a lot of reasons why this happened. Ashkaka Pratis is usually not the highest one in, the first one in my mind. So the Friedrich Rebbe said that sitting in jail in communist Russia with a death sentence hanging over my head, feeling like everything was over. 
Then I remembered that Behashgacha Pratis, I talked about Hashgacha Pratis and Rosh Hashanah of this year. And that gave me the Koyach to understand if right now I'm in jail, that means right now Hashem is orchestrating for me to be right here at this point in time for, to, 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 for the fulfillment of Hashem's special mission for me today. And that's Hashgacha Pratis of the Basham Now, when a person really really takes these ideas and thinks about them and really makes them part of the way we think. So this says, first of all, it's, it's, the, it's the closest a person can feel to Hashem. When a person really at every point in every situation remembers Hashem knows what's going on because Hashem makes what's going on because whatever happens is directly orchestrated by Hashem right now. So first of all, a person really can never truly be um, sad, depressed, down. Because sadness and depression and feeling down is feeling lost, feeling like I'm stuck, feeling like I'm I'm I'm, I'm just everything you know just everything didn't work out. But the amuna that what do you mean everything didn't work out? It's working out exactly the way it should. It doesn't feel good right now. I'm not happy about it. I'm davening for Hashem to help me out of this sorrow, but I'm not here by accident. Chas v'sholem. I'm here because right now Hashem put me here. That makes that a person should always be besimcha. Or gives the ability to always be besimcha. Really no matter what happens. And aside from helping us with simcha versus depression, it also helps us tremendously with anger. Because one of the most common things we feel is anger at. Who are we angry at? Typically, we're angry at someone who brought me into a certain situation. I'm hurt because that person hurt me. And therefore I'm angry. I'm, I'm, I'm angry because I was wronged. Someone hurt me. Someone wronged me. Someone put me into this situation. Says the Alti Rebbe famously in Tanya, he quotes a statement of our sages that says, a very harsh statement, Kol anyone who gets angry, that's like idolatry. Such a hard statement to hear. Every, all of us get angry sometimes. And Chazal say that's like the worst thing in the world, says the Alter Rebbe Tanya, why? Why of all things do Chazal say anger, that's the worst of the worst? Says the Alter Rebbe, simple. Because anger is a direct expression of a momentary lapse of emuna. That's really what anger is. Why am I? I'm angry because someone put me somewhere that I don't belong. That means that for that minute I'm thinking, why am I here? Because that person put me here. Why am I hurt? Because that person hurt me. Why am I? Why do I have something broken? Because that person broke. And Muna says, if there's a situation, it's because Hashem orchestrated that I should be right now exactly in this situation. And here we have the famous question that I don't want to get into too much. But what is that? Was it right what that person did? The answer is no, that person did something wrong. They made a bad decision. But if I was hurt, if I was affected, it's because I had to be affected. As Dr. Rebbe writes in Tanya, famous, famously says, Al-Hanizik Nigzar. If I was hurt, that means that today I have to be hurt. From Hashem. Hashem has a reason why today I have to go through a hurtful moment. Nobody else can cause hurt for me if Hashem didn't today say or think or create that I should be hurt. And the other person did an Avera, but they didn't bring me to where I am. 
And therefore, and, and the, uh, the Alter Rebbe gives the, the uh, famous example of, of Yosef HaTzadik. That here Yosef HaTzadik was sold by his brothers into, into slavery. And then the brothers come and say, I hope you're not angry, that's not angry. And Yosef says, in Chumash, he says, I should be angry at you? You didn't send me to Egypt. Hashem sent me to Egypt. And Hashem sent me to Egypt in order to become the viceroy, in order to feed all of you, in order to bring uh, food for all for the entire nation. And here is a direct expression because Hashem wanted me to be here. Now, does that mean that the brothers did right by selling him? Of course not. The brothers did an Avera. But Yosef recognized, if I'm wronged, it's because Hashem wants me to be wronged today. If I'm in a difficult situation, it's because Hashem wants me to be in a difficult situation today. That doesn't preclude from us the need to daven. We ask Hashem that Hashem should give us revealed kindness and that we shouldn't, you know, that, that, that all the hurt shouldn't, shouldn't come to us. Of course, we always daven to Hashem. But the, the, uh, the knowledge that what happens, happens from Hashem, no matter what, that is something that is a basic understanding of Hashkocha Pratis based on this principle of Hashem's knowledge in everything that goes on because it all comes from Him at every given moment. I'll conclude with one other idea that, that, uh, that's based on this. The Pasuk says in uh, Parshas Mishpatim, it says that if a person... Um, one person hurts another person. They were fighting, and they were whatever. And one person hurts another person, so the um, the damager, the one who inflicts the hurt, has to um, pay. You have to pay for damages. And one of the, the have, there's a number of different types of damages. When one, when again, when person A damages person B, there's a number of different types of payments that he has to make. One of them is for medical payments, right? If chas v'shalom, person A uh, hurt person B. Um, then person A has to pay for the medical payments of person B. The wording of the Torah is that he has to see to it that this person is healed. As the Pasuk says, Virapo yirape. Heal him, you should heal him. Says the Gemara, Mikan shenitin rishus lerofe lerape. From these words of the Torah, that healing, you shall heal him, from here we learn that there's permission given for a doctor to heal a patient. That a doctor should heal. The question is, why do we need a pasuk that a doctor should be allowed to heal a patient? Like, why not? Why do you have to have a special heter to be a doctor? From this Gemara, it's evident that the Gemara was looking for a pasuk, virape, yirape. From here we learn that a doctor is allowed to heal a patient. Why not? Why do we need a pasuk for that? So the Mepharshim, the commentators say, simple. They say, if a person is sick, then why are they sick? Because Hashem made them sick. So if Hashem made them sick, who says Hashem allows another, a, a, a human being to interfere and try to heal the person? And it's our type of a question. But if you think about it, person A is sick. So that means that Hashem said that person is sick. Okay, so I'm a Maimon, I'm a believer in Hashem. And Hashem made the person sick, so I'm not meddling. I'm not getting into Hashem's way. Why would I start healing the person, trying to heal the person? Isn't that somehow um, a, a, a lack of emuna that I'm trying to meddle with Hashem's sickness that He inflicted upon this person? That's why the Gemara says no. That from these these words in the Torah we learn virapa yirape that the mikan shenitin rishus lerefe lerapois 
that the reifet, that the doctor does have rishus, should try to heal. Because although, of course, we believe in Hashem, and of course we believe that the sickness comes from Hashem, at the same time, Hashem wants us to do our best. Um, just like when you see a person who's poor, we don't say, well, Hashem made them poor, why would I help them? No, Hashem says, I want you to give him tzedakah. So when you see a person is not well, of course Hashem made them not well. At the same time, Hashem wants us to do all in our abilities to help that person and to heal that person and so on and so forth. So the Chafetz Chaim, one of the great uh, tzaddikim in the previous generation, the Chafetz Chaim asked a question. He says, what are we saying? That Why do you have to have permission for the doctor to heal the patient? Because after all, Hashem made the person sick. So maybe Hashem wants the person to stay sick. Says the Chavetz Chaim, no, that's not what this Parsha is talking about. The Parsha is talking about when person A damaged person B and person A made the person B sick. Not Hashem made the person sick. It's not a person with a natural illness. This Parsha is talking about when two people were fighting and one person physically hurt the second person. Hashem didn't make this person sick. That guy made the person sick. So why would I think that the doctor can't heal the patient? This is a question of the Chavetz Chaim. That that Parsha is talking about a person making another person sick. Why would I think that the sickness is something coming from Hashem? Says the Chafetz Chaim, no. And that's the point that we're learning here tonight. Although person A damaged person B, we believe that that sickness comes directly from Hashem. Yes, person A did an Avera by hitting someone else. But if person B was hit, if person B was hurt, then we know that person A was merely a vehicle to fulfill, to fill, to carry out Ratzon Hashem. And Hashem's desire now is that person B should be ill. Says the Chafetz Chaim. So that's why we need the Pasuk to say that although we believe with perfect faith that every illness does come from Hashem, and even if it seems like it was orchestrated by another person, <clears throat> we know without a doubt that it's Hashem behind whatever happened. And if so, we might think that therefore we don't have the permission to heal that person. Says the Torah, no. Yes, Hashem caused the sickness. At the same time, Hashem wants us to do our best, every one of their own abilities, to help out the person who's sick. To help out the person who doesn't have whatever they have, although it does come directly from Hashem. So this is all um, the discussion based on this um, tenth. Tenth principle that we're talking here about the idea that Hashem knows everything because it comes from Hashem and every detail of everything comes to Hashem and there's no unintended consequences and even when we're hurt and even when there's a difficult situation we also believe it comes from Hashem although at the same time we daven for Hashem to help us out. And therefore, of course, that's uh, tremendously appropriate to our present situation where on the one hand we're going through a difficult situation. I do want to say that um, on the one hand, there's a question that there's a lot of difficulty and sadness that we are living through nowadays. It's important to also notice many nisim and many um, recoveries and miraculous recoveries that we hear as well um, about on a daily basis. Um, it was exactly 29 years ago today, in 1991, on the 26th of Nisan, um, that the Rebbe spoke a sicha, it was right after the Gulf War, and the Rebbe said that it's incumbent upon us to notice, to take notice, and to thank Hashem, and praise Hashem for the miracles that He does for us. And not sometimes human nature is, we tend to focus on negative things more than positive things. 
And there are negative things. A lot of negative things that we dive into Hashem for everyone who needs a refuah to be healed and for all the broken hearts that are broken to be healed. At the same time, it's also incumbent upon us to be meshabeach and to thank Hashem whenever we hear, whenever we see of when those brachas do come. And when there is so many different types of beautiful brachas that we are recipients of, of every day as well. And in fact, the Rebbe said then that one of a very key component in bringing Mashiach is the concept of being moide o meshabeach, thanking and praising Hashem. The Rebbe quoted a Gemara that says that the great king Chizkiyahu, one of the Malchi Yehuda, one of the kings of Yehuda, was such a great tzaddik that Bikesh HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mashiach, that Hashem wanted to make Chizkiyahu Mashiach, but he didn't because of one critique, that Chizkiyahu didn't thank enough and praise enough for the nisim that Hashem did for him. So the Rebbe said in that Febring, and again, which was Mamish today, 26th of Nisan, 29 years ago, that in uh, in our pre- preparation for the coming of Mashiach, that we're so hopeful and waiting this any day, um, thanking Hashem and praising Hashem for kindness is a central and integral point as well. So Mela, as we uh, conclude here, this 10th principle, it's all about remembering that whatever happens, and even the saddest things that happen, ultimately, we believe that it's all part of a very exact plan of Hashem. And Hashem, of course, is called Avinu of Harachamon, the loving and merciful Father. And whatever He does is only for a positive plan. Hashem should help that we should be able to see that positive plan very, very quickly. And again, refuas for all those that need it in any different type of way. And to see how all the tsar and all the tsaras should be transformed to goodness and happiness and simcha. Amir Hashem with the coming of Mashiach. Bimheira biameinu mamash. And um, so, Emir Hashem, we will continue next week with the 11th principle of the um, Yud Gimel Ikre Emunah. Any, quest- any, any questions?